Are you underutilizing one of the most powerful restaurant marketing tools on the planet? What do 92 million monthly Yelp searchers see when they land on your page? Is your content accurate and attention grabbing? Are you using every conversion tool possible to set yourself apart? Yelp is here to help. Go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to sign up for a one-on-one with a specialist that will review your Yelp page and share tips to help you stand out. Again, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to supercharge your Yelp page today. Now here we go. We're going to help you engage your customers when they want to order food because there's often a certain day of week, a certain time where people want to reorder and we're going to make sure we are sending them back to your shop. So we actually bring those solutions forward and make sure that they understand that it's about re-engaging on their behalf and bringing that solution to the table. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry. Featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. We've spent the last 15 months together questioning every assumption about this industry. What I've learned from more than 100 interviews is that a 6% net profit doesn't need to be the standard. I've collected the best practices from the best operators in the world and created a guide detailing the five steps they've all taken to achieve a 15% net profit in their restaurants. You can download that guide for free by visiting restaurantprofitguide.com. Again, that's restaurantprofitguide.com. How is delivery working out for you? Is it this thriving revenue stream or are you still struggling to get attention on those delivery platforms? Are you making money, running your break even, or worse yet, losing money on every transaction? Today we chat with PJ Oleksak of Slice because from where she's sitting, she has access to two critical pieces of data. Number one, what delivery customers want, and number two, what the busiest restaurants on the platform did to get there. Today we tackle that and a whole lot more, but first we begin with how PJ made her way to Slice. I started my career as a financial investor. And so I worked investing in companies in different industries, but my roots and my passion as a human being, and I think it's probably in my DNA, is in food. My grandmother actually had pizzerias. My mother had delis. So I grew up working in the food space and I appreciate and know how very hard it is. So I grew up seeing what it's like to be a SMB owner operator. And what's that? what is that like for the entire family? And so I crossed over 10 years ago and decided to get into food and ultimately joined Slice about two years ago because I'm just so obsessed with our mission, which is really to keep local thriving. And our business is all about how do we build tools and solutions to help these owner operators be in business for themselves, but not by themselves? How do we help them keep their authenticity, but have benefits that some of the big chains have at their fingertips from an economies of scale. So I was really bought into what Alir Sala, our founder, has built and the mission and the amazing people at our company that are so passionate about helping these small business owners. And what's your role there? So I'm the chief business officer. So I'm responsible for all of our go-to-market, so sales, account management, marketing, operations, a big chunk of our fantastic 
team actually I get the privilege to lead. So it's been an amazing two years and the growth has been fantastic and really watching and helping our owners thrive through this pandemic has been both incredibly motivating and hard all at the same time. Let's talk about that. So what hole is Slice trying to fill? How do you differentiate yourself in the market? Yeah. So when you think about what Slice is all about, we are really looking to do what, let's say, a Domino's or a similar type of chain does for their franchisees, we're looking to replicate that model for small business owners in the pizzeria space. So how can we bring that full suite of tools and solutions, leaning in on online ordering and technology to help our small business owners really digitize for the modern consumer, as well as benefit from the economies of scales of different solutions, whether it's marketing or having access to delivery solutions or products and menus at discounted prices, et cetera. We want to leverage our scale to really help them grow faster and be a more profitable business. So ultimately, that's what Slice is all about. And that's a very distinct positioning from if you think about what some of the other solutions, whether it's a B2B product, like a point of sale solution, where they might be giving you a tool, but they're not really helping you evolve your business and run it better. We're not just going to give our shop owners the tools. We're going to help them leverage it, use all of our data to help them see, okay, you're thinking about your next location. This is what we're seeing from a market perspective. These are your menu prices. This is what we're seeing from the market and from consumer demand to help them actually optimize. So really leveraging all of our knowledge and these solutions to really support them on their journey and do so at an affordable cost. It's a really interesting perspective because Everyone knows how important that customer data is. So few companies are actually willing to give you not only access to it, but a level with you, like as a restaurateur who's existed in multiple tiers of dining. I mean, it's hard for me to interpret data. I can remember a restaurant services company had held a dinner in Los Angeles for a bunch of restaurateurs. And in the midst of the dinner, they did a presentation, which was to be expected because there's no such thing as a free meal, right? But throughout the presentation, they just quoted statistics. 60% of women do this in your area. But as a restaurateur, I literally watched everyone in the room because they had supplied everyone with a pen and a piece of paper. Everybody put the pen down because nobody knows what to do with that data. What to do with it. Okay, right? So a lot of women are searching for me in this local area. How do I interpret that data? Should things be more pink? You know, like, (laughs) what do you do with this? And so I think that it's incredibly important to talk about interpreting that data. And if we could dig into that next, what I'd love to know are, what are the KPIs that you're tracking on behalf of the restaurateurs? And how do you interpret that data? Yeah. And when you think about technology and tools and solutions, There's lots of players and partners, whether it's a B2B product, like a point of sale solution or third-party delivery apps, et cetera, where you will have an owner's portal or something that you can log into and you can see information. How many orders are you getting? How many of the customers are new? Things like that. But again, it goes back to what do you do with it? And so for us, like we are constantly looking at, and we have a huge organization of account managers that are just really focused on They have a portfolio of shops and their job is to help these shops grow and make sure that they have the best tools and solutions to do that. 
and be operationally more efficient. And so our account managers are ultimately looking at like, how are these shops performing and where does order volume drop off? And are they actually adopting the tools and solutions that we know are most important? And if there's a trend or a change, we do very quick diagnostics work around menu pricing or did something change in the suite of offering. And so they're very focused on their shop's order volume and making sure that their shops are growing. And really, like we will take that information, like we will see a shop that will turn off Google food ordering, for example. They're like, I don't want that. Then you have to help them and educate how much that's actually helping their business grow. They'll say, I'm just going to raise my prices, my food costs, there's fees. I'm just going to jack up all my prices. It's scary. It's hard during the pandemic. And then you help them see like actually the conversion rate on your menu is significantly higher if you don't do that because people know and they'll go to a different shop that isn't raising their prices. And so we supply that data when we see different trends happening and we have a lot of different diagnostic tools to actually monitor these different things for our shops. And then it's really about the relationship that we're building to proactively reach out and then help them. That's butts in seats, right? Like the focus is always on conversion. It's always on creating the sale. And I think that there are a ton of solutions out there that are marketplace solutions that help breed awareness. But I think the conversation that everybody's having today revolves around conversion. And how do you turn eyeballs into customers. And I'm curious to know, what are the motivating factors that you see outside of the obvious, right? Because you're obviously able to track the user experience on the customer side of the transaction. What do you see motivating them to commit to one restaurant or another? Well, it's really interesting because when it comes to food, people tend to be largely creatures of habit once they find something that they like. And so we will see that customers often order from the same place over and over again, predominantly. There'll be a handful of shops that might be for different occasions, right? Like this might be the place I always go to because I love their chicken wings, or this might be the place where I can get a great salad. But predominantly, it's a pretty small group. And so it's part of what we really help try to educate our shop partners about because when they do different things, like increase their prices or turn off different things, we're helping them understand like, these are your customers you're looking for. And it's also something we help educate them on when you think about different third-party solutions. Like when you think about some of the third-party aggregators, they're all about demand gen, right? And they're pushing, you need us to help grow your business, but at what cost, really? And so our approach is something quite different. We're going to help you actually create a more loyal customer base. And we're going to engage with them. We're going to give this loyalty program, which we've built out through Slice. Um, we have this loyalty program, which is across our network. And we're going to help you engage your customers when they want to order food, because there's often a certain day of week, a certain time where people want to reorder. And we're going to make sure we are sending them back to your shop. So we actually bring those solutions forward and make sure that they understand that it's about re-engaging on their behalf and bringing that solution to the table. Let's talk about sales data, because I think that there are massive opportunities to sell more, to upsell, to cross-sell that are largely missed because, again, we're busy. We're not marketers. And so I'm curious to know, based off the data that you see, obviously, you're helping sell a lot of pizzas. 
what else are you helping sell? What are the other things that somebody that owns a pizza restaurant should consider offering that are doing well on platform? Yeah, I love that question. And it's something that we've done a lot of testing and work around because we know people are going to come back. They're going to come to their favorite shop and restaurant for that pizza, right? But during the week, and especially for my online grocery days, I know a lot about food habits from different days of week. We know that consumer might want a salad today or they might want something else. And so it's really interesting because we've done a bunch of marketing on different days of week around different food categories. Pizzerias have very large menus. Many of them have a broad offering of products. They're not just serving pizza. So how do we help bring different food categories through email, push notification, et cetera, to help there be visibility? And in addition to how do we evolve the product? So that's very easy for consumers to see the different food offering of a big menu and make sure that it's not, they never understand or see that there's a kid's menu all the way down at the bottom. Like, How do you actually create visibility of all these things and make sure that there's awareness? And we do do work around that and create, whether it's product evolution and marketing, we try to surface these things for our partners because it is true. It's not just about pizza. And do you have a targeted goal in your mind, just based off the data that you've seen? The best restaurants on the platform are the busiest restaurants, right? And the busiest restaurants on platform, they are getting somebody's business twice a month, three times a month. And I just threw those numbers out. I literally have no idea. I've never owned a pizzeria. And if I did, I would hope that it would be very busy, but who knows? I'm curious to know, what are those numbers? like the best people on the platform that are the busiest, because it sets an expectation, right? If you tell everyone listening, the best you can hope for is that someone's going to shop with you twice a month. If they understand that, then once they've hit that number, they know they need more customers to grow. Yeah, I would say that we see what we call power users, like really advocates that are just keep coming to their shop. Like they tend to order from their favorite restaurant every two to three weeks. At least that's what we see in the pizzeria space. And so then it just becomes about exposure, right? Once you've leveraged loyalty and all of these things to make sure that they're coming to you at least once, hopefully twice a month, then it's just about more volume, right? More people. I don't think every human operates that way, but like that's what we see from like the higher, like that's when you think about your customer base as a restaurant owner, a certain portion of your volume is going to over-index to those high-frequency customers. And that's kind of what we see every other week, every three weeks. And I want to talk about intent too, because I agree with you that once you have a pizza place, that's your pizza place. Once you find the Chinese restaurant you like, you don't turn to your spouse and say, let's experiment. People are very loyal. And so I guess the question would be, when you're using an app like Slice that is so myopically focused on one sector of the industry, let's assume everybody that gets on is looking for a brand new pizza place. So as soon as they find it, they're kind of out of the running for all of the other pizza places. Is that a fallacy? Is that true? It's not exactly true because what we see is that there's instances for different places. And I think one of our opportunities and something we talk about internally is how do we keep evolving that experience so that we continue to elevate this pizzeria, like so from a content and sharing of both the stories of these different partners we have, as well as what are they great at? I may have 20 pizzerias that deliver to me in my area, 
but one is has just a fantastic margarita pie and another one has the most amazing eggplant parmesan right so they will have different things which is where we say you know there's typically like i order from three places that are in my repertoire one i over index two for sure but then the other two have their purposes in my life so there is opportunity to continue to cross sell and what we also know to be true is you have to have all of them to help us continue to add more value to the network it's actually good for that competing pizzeria to be on there because you want customers to actually have one place they keep coming back to and be thinking about pizza whether it's your shop or someone else's and we'll continue to help them all really thrive and that speaks to an interesting ideology i would assume that Every pizza place on the planet thinks that they're competing with every other pizza place on the planet. But that's not exactly true, right? They're competing with every other cuisine out there. They're competing with... Do you want pizza tonight or do you want Chinese food? Exactly. And so I guess when you frame it that way, anyone that is using the Slice app as an example, that is good for you. The more people that are looking for pizza, increase the likelihood that they'll want what you're offering. Big menus. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? When you're looking at the restaurant data, is there a strategic advantage to having a massive menu? I would assume that some of the people on the platform have really, really small menus. Does that hurt their business? Yeah. I mean, I would say that there's diminishing returns like anything else. I think you have to have the right stuff and the right mix. I think being too narrow is a bigger risk than being too big. But once you get to a certain size, like you may not get people's attention. It's like any other shopping experience you have from an e-commerce perspective. How far down do you scroll? So the stuff at the bottom is not going to get as much viewing unless somebody's searching for it. So let's unpack product mix. What is a successful product mix? I mean, I think that pizzas are first and foremost, and then it's the right appetizers, salads, and entrees to round it out. And it's ultimately about having great food that you know can deliver well. Pizzerias tend to over-index to takeout and delivery. So it's stuff that you know can actually make it to the consumer hot and in good condition. Like that was the interesting part about the pandemic when you think about it, because all of a sudden you had this massive shift where even restaurant tours that didn't, that they were predominantly in restaurant dining versus takeout and delivery, all of a sudden they had this shift where they had to do more online and they had to do more delivery. And it doesn't mean that their fantastic food just may not travel well. It may not package well. So pizzerias tend to over-index in food and cuisine that travels really well and cooks pretty fast. So you can have a speedy, quick delivery and it doesn't have to sit around very long. So I think it's less about do you have all the right stuff? It's more about, do you do it well? Because anything you do, you want to do well. What about niching out? Vegans, gluten-free, all of these dietary restrictions. There's obviously a central focus on sustainability broadly within the industry. Are you seeing the impacts of those niche dining, dieting restrictions and sustainability in the searchability of the app? I mean, you're definitely seeing it in terms of the food trends, where you see people looking for gluten-free and cauliflower and like things like that. And you see being added to menus, candidly. Like pizzerias, especially depending on where you are in the country, like they're adding items like that to their menus for sure. I think 
the data was we had actually 100% more orders with vegan products in 2020 than we did the year prior. I can't remember the exact number, but I remember it was a massive growth category. For the busiest restaurants on the platform, what are they doing that the rest aren't? Can you unpack, I don't know, three, five different things that you see kind of universally with the busiest restaurants on platform? What are they getting right? I would say that for us, the number one indicator of their success is going to be, are they bought in to the partnership? And we spent a lot of time trying to figure that out up front in the early days. And frankly, in the onboarding and bringing that next restaurant partner on board, we spend a lot of time building that relationship. Because at the end of the day, it's about trust. There are lots of different players that are always reaching out to these SMB owners and they're busy. They're making the food. They're making sure their staff's coming in, which is extra challenging nowadays. They have a lot on their plates. And now you're just one of many people calling or walking into their restaurant trying to sell them something. So it's a lot about building trust. And so we invest quite a bit upfront in terms of that time and showing them like, here are all the things we're going to do to you, do for you at no cost. And this is because we're investing in this mutual relationship. And then like, as you see performance, like that's where there's any benefit to us, right? So we invest a lot in the relationship upfront and we see there's a very big difference if our shop partners are equally as engaged, that's where we see a massive delta in terms of performance. And when you think about our Slice Accelerate program, which is the pinnacle of our offering and really bringing Alir's vision to life, that how do we help these owners be in business for themselves, not by themselves, and provide all of those solutions? We are very hands-on in those relationships. There's an immense amount of buy-in. And we actually saw Within 12 months, the partners in our Accelerate program, they doubled revenue. And we measure ourselves not only on like the volume going through Slice, because these are very close relationships, we're actually monitoring their growth as a business. And so from a macro perspective, we hold ourselves accountable to making sure that their revenue in total is growing, not just like what we're aware of that's passing through Slice. So I think the more invested our partners are in the relationship so that they can trust us and listen to our guidance and our feedback, the better they perform. And you see it really, really clearly. Actually, when you look at the top 100 down to the top 1,000, et cetera, shops, it feels crazy sometimes to say it. And we hear it all of the time from our top account managers. They're like, it's, they're bought in. Like we are in a relationship. Some of them are on our Slack channels as company. Like it's very cool. They will jump in and talk about their performance or say thank you for something we helped them with. And so that's just really what we're all about. And when they're really bought in, then we have more capability to help them. But let's get granular. How does someone in the accelerator program double revenue? What are they doing to do that? Yep. So we obviously take care of their online solution. So we're making sure that they have a website. It's powered by Slice. We are positioning them at the top of our marketplace app. We are doing SEO. We are doing social marketing. We are doing kind of full marketing for them, kind of traditional channels, brand building, performance marketing. We're helping them with evolving their digital call to action throughout their experience. So we go into their stores. We help them redo their menus, re-giving them a brand logo lift, giving them all new t-shirts that have that digital 
call to action, helping them on their phones because 20 some percent of orders on a busy Friday, they don't even get picked up because they can't get to these phones fast enough. So how do you actually create the right IVRs so that you can help inform them of there's a digital way to order as well, creating that same consistent message on their boxes, in their windows, et cetera. So we do a lot of work from a branding and a messaging perspective to help them digitize that customers. Because when you look at what Domino's did, I don't mean to say something that's going to hurt anybody's feelings, but Domino's didn't grow like they have and massively increase the revenue per store by being the best pizza and evolving their recipe massively. They actually did that by leaning into a digital customer base and having a fantastically seamless experience. And it just became so easy that consumers were like, I'm just going to keep going back. That's what we're trying to do and create that consistency and messaging and touch points for these shops. So that's the kind of stuff we do. And then we make sure they have our slice register, which is our point of sale solution. And so we can actually cross sell and gather that information over time to help them with their customers as well. Great loyalty marketing programs for them. So it's a robust offering. Now let's try and make it universal. So there are a bunch of pizza restaurants listening that are going to be like, cool, I'm going to sign up. They're good. But there are thousands of people that don't own pizza restaurants that are listening. And so I'm curious to know, are there a few things that you've seen that are just universal truths that the people that are going to walk away from this episode, these are three things at the very least you need to take a look at? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, in my mind is think about technology and online ordering and tools, but don't think of them in a scary way. Like I think technology and some of this stuff can be very intimidating, but like the consumer is changing. And I think while the pandemic helped a lot of restaurants evolve, thinking about these different things, whether it's how you have quick kind of QSR codes and pickups and online menus and different things like that. I think leaning into technology and online ordering for your customer base is incredibly important because the customer is just digitizing. And I think that pandemic forced a lot of adoption and that trend is just here to stay. So leaning in and not being afraid, but also the second thing I would say is recognizing that all partners are not created equal and all demand is not created equal. And so if you're partnering with a player and I'll, I won't name names, who's going to promise you demand, but they're going to do so at a cost that is going to be more significant than your gross margins, I would say keep looking for another partner. Because I think that's a common mistake some different restaurants are making. And I get it. It's really tricky. So I think those would be two of the biggest ones that I would say. Let's look forward. How do you see food delivery evolving for restaurants in the next 12 to 24 months? What's next? Listen, I think it's unbelievable what's happening in the food delivery space. I've spent the last decade in it, and it is just getting so fast. The consumer demands and the expectations. I mean, I think when you think about the fact that groceries, the thought of getting it next day used to be fast. And now it's like you can get it in some urban markets in 10, 15 minutes. Like that's wild. And it's not a little bit of something from a bodega. It is a full grocery offering. That is insane. And so why as a consumer, like if I can get that in 10 minutes, like why am I going to wait much longer than that for the rest of my takeout? So I think I always, as a investor, as an operator, as a consumer, think of share of stomach. And so 
I think, speed and how do we actually continue to keep up with those demand trends is something to consider. When we think about how do you provide and think about solutions for that, like we approach it differently than some other players. We're not trying to hire a bunch of drivers and have them do deliveries for you, but we're trying to build the technology to help you optimize your own delivery and your own orders. Because I think that the challenge for some restaurateurs is that if they're trying to do delivery themselves, it's really hard to be efficient. And now you not only have to be fast, but that's going to cost you a ton of money. If you don't know how to optimize from like a routing and a sequencing perspective, it's just going to get really, really expensive to keep up with that. So I think it'll be interesting to see how different technology and solutions continue to become more robust in the market to help these restaurants so that they don't have to continue to lean on third parties that are going to charge a significant amount of money and they can try to figure out a bit more how to do it efficiently themselves. It's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any advice or words of encouragement you'd like to offer? Keep at it. Thank you for really all you guys do as entrepreneurs. I think it is really amazing having grown up in the space. I know how hard it is. And it's really, you're all the cornerstone of both our community and our country. And so I would say, Keep at it, find great partners, accept help where you find good humans that you can work with. And I wish you guys all a fantastic, successful year in future. That's PJ Alexak. For more on Slice, go to slicelife.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.